Hello everybody, welcome to the Orange Peel Uncensored podcast, the podcast that aims to help educate people on the truth about money and Bitcoin. I am your co-host, Jemson. Joining me is my fellow co-host, Michael, and two special guests, Marina. Hi, everyone. And Alex. Hello, everyone. For tonight's discussion, to all those who are listening on the various platforms, we are glad to have you all tune in to our very first podcast. But first, the very mandatory disclaimer. Orange Pink Uncensored is a podcast for educational and entertainment purposes only. The information in this podcast is solely the opinion of the host and guests. It does not provide financial, investment, tax, or legal advice. And under no circumstances should the information be emulated, copied, or followed. Orange Pink Uncensored, uh, basically it's me and me, Jemson, and Michael, discloses some of our knowledge and personal experience as learning experiences, but only relevant to our specific portfolio allocation, risk tolerance, and other circumstances. Investing poses considerable risk of loss. Listeners should exercise caution and do proper research before making any financial investment, tax, or legal decision. You, the listener, are solely responsible for your own financial investment, tax, or legal decisions. That is all for the disclaimer. And yep, on to the show proper. Since this is our very first episode, let us all begin with a formal introduction about ourselves and then we'll go through tonight's flow by starting with the discussion of what is money? It's a very interesting question. Uh, And as well as the history and examples of money. So for my two guests, if you have any questions, just please shoot and we'll gladly answer the questions. It's like a question and answer type of thing. Because it can also greatly benefit the um, audiences who's actually listening to podcasts in the various platforms. I'm Jemson. I'm a QA specialist and a Bitcoin investor and enthusiast. Been in Bitcoin since late 2018, early 2019, and uh, have since been orange peeled. Aha, uh-huh. so now you guys will probably know why this podcast is called the Orange Pill Podcast. That's where I got the inspiration for this name. Uh, to be honest, I'm just an average guy, you know, born and raised in Singapore, but I have a I have an inter- I have an interesting history because uh, I work in IT, but my background is in international business, believe it or not. I was actually fortunate enough to meet a friend who introduced me to my first IT job with an, with an Indian multinational, which has a branch in Singapore. And this multinational trains fresh graduate employees with basic programming skills. Unfortunately, <laughs> my uh, programming skills, except for the only one which I know, which is Python, <laughs> have gotten rusty after five years, but I remain rather grateful for that friend of mine, and we are still friends even to this day. Even though he's in Singapore, but you know, regularly I keep in contact with him. Which leads me to my next fortunate encounter, Bitcoin. True story, by the way. Uh, please don't be grossed out. <laughs> I happened to stumble upon Bitcoin. Well, let's just say I was searching for ways to torrent adult content, quote-unquote, from a certain website without signing up to it. Not going to mention the website. <laughs> and in one of those sites, the payment methods requested was one of them was Bitcoin. 
And he showed me this long gibberish address, which I don't understand at the time. So for that moment, my mind, you know, suddenly switched focus from my original goal. <laughs> and now, you know, started to, 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 to question more about this payment method called Bitcoin. And I was initially quite skeptical about it at first, but curiosity got a hold of my mind. And the more I read, the more I understand, the deeper I fall into the rabbit hole. And eventually I got orange, orange pill. Kind of wise enough to start buying Bitcoin ever since then. And after I got my first job during the 2018 boom bear market lows, <laughs> at that time it was around 3,000 to 4,000 US dollar per Bitcoin. And I slowly dollar cost average without fail on a monthly basis from one of the 10 Bitcoin ATMs in my country back then. <laughs> and I slowly accumulated, 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 held them until the 2020, 2021 bull market. To keep the long story short, I sold them for a profit, keep the tax-free profits and was able to quit my stressful and miserable IT job in Singapore, which brings me here to Portugal. Interesting because, um, interesting choice because Portugal is also a crypto-friendly country in Europe with a, I say, quote unquote, great standard of living, great weather, people and culture. So, yep. My interests, apart from Bitcoin, are singing, acting, life drawing, history, especially the last 500 years of world history, geography, and many more. In fact, it's through singing that I met these two friends of mine, Marina and Alex, who are currently, who are currently sitting here as guests on today's show. <laughs> I got to know both of them and their beautiful voices, of course, on karaoke every Friday night. <laughs> here in Lisbon. <laughs> More about that during the commercial break. So had I not believed in Bitcoin and some money, it would not be possible for me to travel. 12 countries and counting, by the way, for me, not sure about you, um, get to know many wonderful friends here in Lisbon and to live a generally more uh, fulfilling life here. So next up, I shall introduce, I shall let Michael introduce himself. Yeah, Jameson, thanks a lot for this cool introduction and also to introduce the Orange Pill podcast. Um, yeah, just for everybody who doesn't know yet the, um, why actually Orange Pill is um, a saying in Bitcoin. So it comes from the movie The Matrix, the original one, um, when Neo is about to choose the pill that Morpheus offered him. And if he takes the pill, he will see how life in reality really is. And he takes the pill and, and the logo of Bitcoin is orange. And that's why some people call Bitcoin the orange pill, because it's also a, a, a way to show you how money really is, let's say. Yeah, just that's why we um, came to the name orange pill uncensored. And yeah, about me. Um, I am born in Germany, in Bavaria, and since I left school pretty much, I traveled um, in Asia and Europe and also some other countries outside. But since the last three years, uh, most of my time I spent either in Germany, in Portugal, and as well in Spain. And now since about a year, Portugal is my place where I spent most of the time. 
I'm settled here, so I consider Portugal my home now. And I live mostly in the middle, but like in the central. But I also really like coming down to Lisbon a lot. And yeah, Bitcoin, I've been into since the year 2019. And since I started, I've been falling deeper and deeper in the so-called rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, And it was because in that year I started to learn about finance, money and investing. It was the first time in my life that I was interested in that topic. And I was doing stocks and these kind of things. And through watching YouTube channels and reading books, I also heard some stuff about Bitcoin here and there, but I knew too little about it to take it seriously. Or let's say I understood too little about it. And it was in the end of 2019 that one of my friends, he asked me to buy mushrooms online. <laughs> uh, but it's not what he... <laughs> <laughs> That's why we call this podcast uncensored here. There's no taboo, no no go. <laughs> um, but yeah, this situation it was um yeah, it was a, a legal mushroom. Like just some yeah, some medicinal mushroom. And for for this vendor, this online vendor, he also accepted Bitcoin. And the thing is there was a discount. So they had a price and he said, Hey, you buy a Bitcoin and you get like 10% less. And so my friends came to me because I knew I knew something about it. And he asked me if I can help him with this transaction. And I looked at it and I just saw like these long numbers, which I didn't understand, like um, receiving address and stuff like that. And then I just realized, actually, I understand nothing about it. You know, what is this Bitcoin? What is all these weird long numbers you're talking to me? But somehow I found it super interesting. And yeah, I was curious finally to, to learn more. And just a few weeks later, I decided, okay, I just start somewhere somehow. So um, I just made a quick research about ways how to buy Bitcoin easily. So I got into exchanges and I found one which is called Bitpanda. I think they're based in Austria. So I made an account there. And that's when I bought my first sets. For everybody who doesn't know what sets means, it's like a fraction of a Bitcoin. So I bought my first sets and also some Ethereum. And back in these days, yeah, the price was around 9,000 euro for Bitcoin or something. And I still had, had no education about nothing about it. I just, yeah, bought it out of a feeling that somehow this is going to be something yeah and bitcoin for me was not really much more um, than just an investment yeah but then time was um, passing and it was 2019 so we had all these lockdown stories and um, the stocks they started to crash and at the same time bitcoin and the whole crypto market got um, very bullish like the, the um, huge profits were made there and I transferred most of my money into crypto and also several altcoins 
and actually i lost a bit my focus and i got like lost in the whole world of cryptocurrencies and yeah like i don't know how many different coins and yeah the time passed on and my interest kept rising in this field and i started educating myself more and more and it was in 2021 that i went into a multi-level marketing company I don't know if you know this business concept of multi-level marketing. So my, yeah, <laughs> not, not the most famous business. I know I was in one as well, really regretted that my time there. Yeah, but that was um, 10 over years ago when I was, when I was a young punk, not knowing anything about money as well. So, okay. Uh, yeah, check it past. I was approached many times by multi-level marketing companies, but I always, I was always able to bounce off their offers. So I guess I saved myself. <laughs> I saved my soul. Uh, what about you, Marina? Do you know something about multi-level marketing? Um, no, actually, I'm not sure. But now I, <laughs> I can remember now that I have been working in sales. And what I've been selling, well, it was a crypto machines. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a bit related <laughs> to the topic, <laughs> but not exactly. Used to be, yeah. So multi-level marketing for, for everybody who, who doesn't know what it is, um, it's like a, a business concept, um, has a very, uh, many people re, um, think about something negative when they hear about it. So it, it kind of works like this. So. I am doing multi-level marketing for a product. Let's say I'm doing education. Like I have like tons of videos and education material. Now I go to Jamson and I can say, hey, you can access this, but it costs like some price. I just let's say 2000 euro. Okay, so Jamson is convinced that this thing is good. So he buys it and so and then he can sell the same education again to somebody else for 2000 and so on and so on but also i would keep on earning when people under me sell it so jamson sells it to to alex and let's say jamson gets 10 percent the rest gets the company so jamson sells for 2000 to alex jamson earns 200 but i also earn another fraction and so on and alex keeps on selling it then jamson earns a fraction and alex also and it goes down a few levels means if you're really good into convincing people and he, wow. yeah i know what what you mean i just don't know this called like that this is like a pyramid company yeah. and yes it is supposed to be treated negatively that's what i've yeah. heard but i never participated somehow yeah, exactly and don't have my own opinion about yeah. it some people also call it pyramid scheme because somebody's at the top and then it gets to the bottom and to the bottom because people are convinced to convince more people so two people convince two people and two and two and two so it's like this pyramid somebody at the top earns a lot and at the bottom it gets less and it's not necessary a bad thing i have to say like the business concept itself as long as the product is good it might have a reason to be there but in most cases products are not so good and that's what i did in 2021 it was a platform for selling crypto education which i was kind of a cool thing um 
but yeah, in the end, I would say it was way too expensive and all the knowledge you could find in this education for a lot of money, you could also find on YouTube for free with doing some research. Um, but I met my first mentor who taught me things and I was lost into DeFi staking and I learned like all about the world of cryptocurrency. Um, yeah, what is happening there? And so even though I don't like the business model, but it was in a way a start for me into this until a year later, 2022, I started with three other guys from Germany and our own coaching about cryptocurrencies where we were mentoring about 30 people. Yeah, which is basically how to start in crypto and avoid the biggest mistakes, like how to not lose your keys and all these things. And yeah, more and more in the um, act of educating people about crypto, I got convinced it's not about crypto, it's actually about Bitcoin and I should separate it. And Bitcoin is something special, something unique. And I step-by-step would get out of all this cryptocurrency just more into Bitcoin until I slowly become like a Bitcoin maxi, I would almost say, <laughs> I would say 99%. <laughs> there's always <laughs> like this 1%, like, yeah, there's, there's never a hundred percent, I would say. So 99, um, yeah. And now we are here, it's the year 2023. I have a small telegram group and also an online meetup where we meet weekly and discuss Bitcoin. And now also with Jameson together, this podcast, another project. Yeah. And I'm happy to go deeper in this rabbit hole and even include more people and spread the word of the orange pill. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> so I introduce myself then. I guess it's my turn. Okay. So hi. Hi, everybody. My name is Alex. I was born in Italy uh, 34 years ago. I spent last uh, 10 years in Malta, a small island that is famous for its beaches, uh, sunny weather, uh, money laundering scandals, uh, uh, offshore jurisdiction, attempts to be the first uh, uh, Bitcoin and blockchain hub in the world, but they didn't succeed in this. It was supposed to become the blockchain island. But it's famous also for the online gambling industry, where I worked actually for like eight years. Uh, it seems strange, weird, but it's a uh, misunderstanding, but uh, it, it's where I, gambling is where I know, uh, I knew about Bitcoin actually, and by chance. It was one day in 2015 when I heard a colleague of mine talking about a group of Danish uh, professionals uh, active in the online gambling industry. They were they used to build betting platforms and poker online poker platforms, and apparently they had built an online poker room where it was possible to play for Bitcoin. And I had no idea what Bitcoin was. And so I became curious and then I just started investigating about Bitcoin and uh, yeah, it really struck my mind. So, okay, a digital currency that cannot be double spent. It's something that a lot of the so-called crypto punks uh, 
cyberpunks uh, from the 90s always try to, to work on, but uh, to create a digital currency that could be used directly on the internet uh, and didn't belong to any government or any central institution, uh, looked like a dream that uh, was uh, technologically impossible to achieve. But Bitcoin, thanks to the blockchain technology, managed to, to solve this. And, uh, and then I went quite full onto it. So I bought a uh, whole Bitcoin uh, in the old-fashioned way. And actually, I contacted a guy in Portugal that posted uh, one Bitcoin on an old exchange that was called the local Bitcoins. It was really peer-to-peer. -peer. So you used to see the advertisement and then contact the person posting it. And then he sent me his IBAN. I sent him the money and with my Bitcoin address. And he sent me the Bitcoin to my address. It was it was powerful. And and after that, of course, I started getting lost with the rising of different uh, alternative coins, uh, or also known as altcoins. Uh, and it became kind of a gambling as well. So from being someone working in a gambling industry, I became a bit like a, a gambler myself. And usually I hate gambling. <laughs> and, and then at the of this first cycle that I lost almost all of that first Bitcoin, I found Ethereum, that is the other big gamer in the crypto industry. It's, the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum is that Bitcoin focuses mostly just on exchange in value, so it's a currency, also called cryptocurrency. Ethereum can be used also for that, but it's mainly its blockchain is used to as a foundation to create uh, apps and software that cannot be stopped or censored by any central authority and running on different nodes on different computers can also be more resistant to DDoS attacks uh, and any other kind of failures or technical issues. But anyway, without being into getting into <clears throat> deep technicalities, besides this, then after uh, Spending 10 years in Malta, I moved to Portugal. I was tired with Malta and I was tired of the online gambling industry. I felt like I needed a new challenge. And I wanted to get deeper into crypto and working in the industry so I could even learn even more. And that's how I joined Swissborg uh, here in Portugal. Uh, they are a cool company that uh, that provides an app to purchase and sell cryptos really easily directly with your bank account. We say it's uh, the app that even your grandparents could use to get close to crypto. Uh, it's really fancy. If you, if you are a beginner, I suggest you to try it uh, downloading from the App Store or iOS. You will find it. Swiss Borg. Sorry, um, Alex, could you repeat the uh, name of the app again? It's Swiss Borg? Swiss Borg. So Swiss, like a nationality from Switzerland? Yes. Borg, like a cyborg. We can also link this in the show notes after. Of course, you you write it down in the description. Anyway, yep, you, you may continue. Thanks. Um, 
Besides this, uh, if during the day uh, I work at Swissport as a payment analyst, so checking transactions, there is anti-fraud, uh, solving technical issues, and helping our users with anything related to payments. Then uh, in, during the night, uh, I am a writer. I write on my blog, and I also wrote a book about the pandemic, uh, specifically about the opportunities brought by the pandemic. It's called Thank you, President Corona, imagining the virus as the first uh, president of the whole world. And uh, because it brought many innovations and it benefited crypto as well, because I guess without the pandemic, uh, I have a feeling that crypto wouldn't have come back uh, so quickly after, after the crash in 2018. It needed like a boost, uh, an opportunity to show the world the potentiality, the power of decentralized money. And um, it will be out on the 5th of June on Amazon and other, uh, many other online uh, stores, uh, both as an ebook and a paperback cover. And, uh, and yeah, uh, it's been quite an exciting journey. Uh, writing is something that I always like, besides singing, of course. Uh, I met Jameson and Marina uh, in karaoke in Lisbon. It's a great place if you ever happen to be in Lisbon. You should check out Apple House and have a nice and fun night with karaoke, singing or shouting your favorite tunes. Of course. <laughs> ah, yes. Here it comes, the ad time, yeah. <laughs> to advertise karaoke, yeah. Yes, I'm going to help you with your sing your favorite songs and letting go of the stress and whatever you want to sing out. <laughs> yeah, Marina can teach you how to sing, but mostly how to use your voice, how to breathe, how to meditate in a creative and fun way, using singing as a powerful educational tool. Yeah. And yes, in a nutshell, oh yes, I wanted to add that uh, I'm currently, I'm also checking the possibility of releasing my book as an NFT, because NFT is the other grandiose uh, invention made on top of the blockchain. Of course, I love NFTs at the same time, also skeptical. I love the technology, but uh, I'm skeptical of the hype around NFTs. For who doesn't know, NFTs are basically digital collectibles. It's like that you can create uh, a unique uh, artwork in a digital form and uh, determine who's the owner. So meaning that uh, you can sell it you, uh, and you can give it value, unlike a normal JPEG that uh, file that you can copy and paste several times. And artists are already using it for selling their visual arts, for selling their songs, selling their 3D art especially, but uh, still not so used for selling books. There are a few platforms and I'm not so satisfied with the platforms currently available, but I will try. Maybe I will just release it on OpenSea or Redible, the old-fashioned way. I'll see. But yeah, so this is me and uh, this is my adventure so far in the crypto industry. And I leave the word and the floor to the next guest. Marina. 
Okay. So I actually don't know why I have been invited here because I have zero experience at cryptocurrency thing uh, area. No worries, actually. It's a it's a Bitcoin slash crypto education podcast. So it's actually perfect for people who just started out or who was who are beginners to you know crypto or in Bitcoin. So yeah, you are actually doing a contribution and a service to everyone else who, who is new into Bitcoin and the crypto. But no worries, carry on. Wow, that's great. Okay, sorry. Like you'll be teaching me. I'll be learning from you and uh, and other thousands of people or millions who are going to watch it uh, to hear it. Yeah, and actually, my first time uh, that like at, at such a participation of uh, such a podcast. So yeah. I'm happy to be here. That's that's amazing experience. <laughs> so yeah, about myself, um, I would call myself a music therapist. Yeah, so I use the music not just uh, as an entertainment uh, means or tool, but I use it for transformation and for healing purposes. And um, within that framework i would say there is karaoke parties that can help really yeah 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 that's 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 funny i mean yeah you can like uh, go there let go like dance macarena uh or just sit and uh, and listen to others or you can really like get attuned to your own self and uh, and you can sing whatever you feel um has been accumulating and now you're you're ready to let it go or let it out yeah so it's a it's a very power healing tool as well but uh, also i facilitate um a meditation and mantra singing um uh events or happenings and also i um also facilitate uh, immersive concerts in collaboration with other musicians so yeah so far i also sing i'm a vocalist yeah but um yeah but i prefer not just to sing yes but to to give give something with my music with my singing with my so it's um because uh it's, an, it's another line of my <laughs> my story about myself uh, since i'm 19 um I've been um, meditating and uh, actually I guess when I when I was 20 I got that that certificate of uh, uh, active meditations facilitators so since then I've been practicing facilitating and then I added music to that um, plus later on I got another degree it's um, it's a, a psychologist. I'm a, I'm a, what is that? Counselor, counselor, yes. But it's not enough. Like, I mean, music and meditation really enhance your experience, really can help all together. They, 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 the fusion of these, these three things, they, it, it's really then beneficial than just all these things separately. So I'm, I'm a kind of a, the person who makes fusions for your best. The, for the fullest effect of it, for your best benefits, like, yeah, like that. So I don't know what else am I supposed to say about myself? Some other particular questions to answer? 
actually if you if you don't have anything more to you know say about yourself or self-introduction maybe yes maybe um, you want to promote your 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 services as well th yeah that's what i was going to do okay that's exactly yeah so if you are in lisbon i would invite you i do invite you to join my mantra singing uh workshops um it's every sunday from 12 till 3 p.m so yeah you can join also i'm actually going to launch uh, the online line of it and so i mean just generally speaking get in contact and stay in touch by like uh, like are are they will will they be able to scan my instagram or whatever okay so my instagram is <clears throat> marina vadini with i marina vadini without any spaces but uh yeah we will also link it in the show notes for anybody who is interested yeah we will we'll post the link especially the qr code um and your contact details including all of the um of our affiliated services and products uh, on the links provided later. Yeah, no worries about that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, since um, all of us had a round of introductions, now we could actually go to the proper discussion, discussion proper, whatever. <laughs> what is money? This question, what is money? Does anyone know the definition of money? Michael, Alex, Marina, anyone? Want to willing to provide the answers? I think it's a kind of a mediator between, you know, something that we want to get uh, and something that we have, like in between, like it's like in, in between services and. Uh, but this is uh, services and goods, yes. Uh, like how to how to measure how to measure, like so. This is this is the money, the measure, yeah, the measure. This is, I think that's obvious. Alex, Michael, how about you guys? Do you have any opinions on what is the definition of money? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I like already Marina's definition. I have to admit, I never researched for the official definition, if there is actually one, but I think money uh, can take many forms. And it's also something I would call um, intersubjective for everybody who doesn't know what that means is so we have object things for example a stone a stone is a stone whatever you think it is then we have subjective things which is anything in my head i believe or i imagine then we have intersubjective things means if multiple people believe in the same thing it becomes actually something very powerful for example a religion you and me believe in the same god you have something to connect even though it's just both in our heads but if many people do that you can literally build something on it and build complex societies and also money is that is in a way a belief system for a medium of exchange so i need something to that I believe in and that you believe in and we both can measure value and time and quantify it into something. When I produce something of value, I put my time into there and now I want to trade it. If something you produce, you trade your time. So we need something we both believe in to quantify, to measure our time. And that's what we call money. 
<laughs> yeah, that's how I see. I always uh, look at money as a measure. So it measures the value of a good or a service that you provide in order to keep track of who owns what. It's, it's an evolution of what was the first former exchange that was just uh, uh, barter. So I can give you a cow in exchange for uh, wheat, for example. Uh, in this way, like you need to have a cow. And uh, but what if your ability was as a, as a warrior? I can protect your village in exchange for what? Directly a cow, but what if I need to, to get something else? Maybe you can give me a token that can measure that I can purchase with it something else, get something else in return, and uh, I can get, like, uh, for example, a new weapon, a new sword, and I can, instead of bringing the cow to the, to the smith, I can bring him this token, and then the smith, uh, in return, uh, he will get directly the cow or the animal that he needs to survive without uh, putting an animal in danger on the on my way from the village to the to the smith so it's um, that's why i see it as a as a measure Me a measure to determine what's the value that you brought what's the value that you offer and what you can you can get in return for the for the service and goods that you have provided and how can you trade with different people even when they don't have directly the good and service that you need? Does it make sense? I don't know if like it's clear the idea that I gave. Yes. Yes, it does actually. In fact, all of your answers they form um, part of the they form part of the answer of the definition of money actually. Added all together, basically, it almost explains what I'm about to explain. But because of this, um, I'm just going to keep it short because you guys almost nailed it. Well done. Well done for our very first interview. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, this is a very interesting question. It was like... You guys are smart enough to, to, to answer. Unfortunately, you know... Oh, we must thank Bitcoin. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Then again, um, side note, personally, me and uh, Marina, uh, we both signed up for this uh, online course about money. And I clearly remember in one of those lessons, someone explained that money is energy. Hmm. I actually agree with her on this, but she's only partially correct. Because the truth is that money does not only consist of energy and time you know as the equations written out by einstein or newton in physics uh, it also must contain several other properties which was actually defined by one of my mentors uh, mike maloney in his series called the hidden secrets of money if you guys uh, were to have the time you could actually check out his check out his series the hidden secrets of money link will be down in the in the description below but anyway uh, to sum it all up what he mentioned are the properties of money the following properties are it's a it has to be a medium of exchange like uh, uh, all of you mentioned it has to be a unit of account it has to be portable 
durable, divisible, fungible. To be honest with you, um, show of show of hands or show of um, answers, who knows this word fungible just by the name no, itself? But it hasn't bracket something here. Yeah. So, in case anyone doesn't know the word fungible, it has something to to, to something to do with fungus. I think. Fungus with a fungus, no. Right. <laughs> Mushroom. Enough of your mushrooms already, Michael. Like back, back to my, my intro story, hey? <laughs> Enough of your mushrooms, so, Michael. So we are all sinful men. First is, first is adult videos, then is mushrooms, then is gambling. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is fully here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway... Um... It, it makes this uh, very serious topic of money quite loose and relaxed. Absolutely. <laughs> That shows our human side. But anyway, uh, yeah. Fungible, it means uh, interchangeable yeah, in simpler yeah. terms. Yeah. Like whether or not, you know, that $1 or that one euro is the same as, you know, my one euro or Marina's one euro uh, or Michael's one euro, Nuno's one euro. Yeah. That's interchangeability or fungibility. It also needs to have a store of value. And of course, the last but not the least, it's scarcity. So basically, I've just had to skim through all of these properties because I think almost all of you got it correct. Or rather correctly described the properties. If you want to know more, like I mentioned earlier, you could actually get to know more about the details of the different properties of money in Mike Maloney's uh, series, The Hidden Secrets of Money on YouTube. Shout out to him for this very great, um, for this very great financial education tool, which I recommend, especially for people. A fun, fun thing about this, a fun thing about this is actually when, <clears throat> when you say money should be like also a store of value um, to be considered money, at least according to this guy, that means that most currencies, fiat currencies, especially if you look into third world countries, they are actually not even money. So for example, when you look to countries like Argentina or Peso, do they earn the currency and store it and save it in an account? I don't think so. They exchange it perhaps for something else. So that means that in the traditional way of thinking what money should be, actually most modern currencies could not even be considered money. Yeah, but uh, can I also add some, some thoughts about that issue? Yeah, is that, yeah, like still we have enough time? Yeah, so um, money, for me, yeah, like everything that was mentioned, yes, but also it's um, money is so much dependent, being having a psychological background, yes, I'm saying that it depends so much uh, on your mindset. I mean, it's like, yes, like the money are like, mm -hmm. they are ob objective, they're like objects, but uh, whatever is in your head about the money, it depends how you're going to get the money, if it's going to be easy or difficult, if it's uh, like, 
like everything everything is in our head so like from this point of view money is i would give a definition from a psychologist or facilitator of meditations is like money is something that you think and feel about that so because it's very subjective yeah okay you are talking about the use of money or how people perceive money yeah about this too hmm. mm, how to okay. let go to <laughs> how to accumulate i don't know yeah whoever needs yeah, um... what Michael also said something interesting about the third world countries' currencies. Usually, they are not even money because they're exchanged for something else. Uh, this is a, an important point aspect because modern currencies uh, usually are, well, by definition, still money. I mean, but their value is established by central authority. Uh, Modern currencies are basically, they take their value from the trust that people have in, a, in the nation that issues those currencies. And that's why usually currencies are linked to our national currencies. They're linked to a, to a nation, to a, can be like government, but not really even government, more like a, a country as a whole which uh, government is only one aspect uh, and usually if you see linked to collective uh, conditioning as a nation yeah. yeah because basically if you notice the tr strongest currencies are usually with the strongest economies so it's because like uh, the trust that people put in their in that economy so modern currencies usually are like bonds are like uh, stocks of a national economy so you you use them to exchange uh, to exchange value ancient currencies so talking about before the 20th centuries instead they were they had intrinsic value opposed to to modern currencies so the the value was not established by a central authority but it was determined by the the amount of precious metals that they had in uh, within them so they were like golden coins silver coins and so on uh, with different percentages it could be also an alloy a mix different metals uh, and people wanted and accepted those coins because of the of the scarce rare metals that were uh, that were embedding them so it's something different and indeed like in ancient times the currency was quite independent from a nation. Of course, it was still issued by an empire, by a, a kingdom, but they were more interchangeable. I mean, if you didn't have a Roman ancestors uh, and you had a Persian coin still with the same amount of gold, you could spend it. It was still accepted. Nobody would have said, no, but you know, I don't trust the Persian economy. So... This, this coin might lose value. No, it's gold. Gold is universal, it's everywhere. So paradoxically speaking, ancient currencies were more similar to Bitcoin than modern currencies. Yeah, because they were still built on resources. 
I think that's a thing if you yeah. if you have a coin. Just like Bitcoin, Just because like Bitcoin, Bitcoin yeah. is bit is built on the electricity that is used to mine it. Exactly, and that's one of the key elements to to have like hard money or sound money, long lasting money. You need to build it on something which is not easy to reproduce and which takes you some resources to do. So if you have a coin made out of some metal, of course, a central bank can give this coin like like as like a sign or something. But still, the metal doesn't belong to anybody. You just find it and you find it with putting resources of time or technology into that. And that's one of the aspects that create the value. And now in Bitcoin, you have something similar to create a bitcoin or more traditionally to find it like a mm -hmm. rare metal piece you can just find it by putting your time and your energy into um this gives it value it's not it, it doesn't grow on trees like that and that's one of the differences to this modern currencies which are just issued by an institution they build like only on trust into a government or into a country nothing more because you trust them that they keep it stable you trust the central bank that the supply kind of stays stable whatever exactly that's a trust but it's not a resource of anything well a trust is more like a psychological resource let's say i don't know if marina agrees with it it's a psychological asset yeah yeah i guess it's, it's absolutely like that. Well, which can work wonders uh, sometimes. And uh, I mean, a lot of like, you know, relationships are built on trust. Right? Without trust, there cannot be a relationship. And, but it's something powerful, right? Yeah, that's, that's the base, the, the foundation of anything. Yeah. However, what happens when trust is no longer there? So. The whole castle can collapse. Yeah, if you build something on trust and trust is gone, then it collapses. Always. And mm -hmm. I think it will it happened so many times in history and will probably happen again. And trust is like yeah, and trust is something that it's cyclical, yeah. Will sooner or later disappear i mean if you say you trust in a government for example or in a country the question who is this country who is this government they might have an opinion they might be good mm -hmm. and then time goes on and then these people who were leading this country they might not be there anymore and new people come and they might do something completely different so it's nothing fundamental so building a money that you want to last long you want to last long the fundamentals needs to be trustless from the very beginning like gold nobody needed to trust anybody to find gold and it still has value since more than five thousand years wow what a really really educated audience they have there here really educated guys and audience they have <laughs> you guys basically knew all of what know of the definition of what is money alex even mentioned about the history of money 
um, Marina even talked about the psychological uh, aspects of money and all that. So it's because of all these, it's such a natural conversation and discussion that we don't even need to follow this script anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> just, just, just kidding. But um, then again, um, now that we mentioned where we left off on the issue of trust is where we actually start the next, uh, the next, the next round of discussion, which is the current failure of the financial system. Michael, could you uh, describe, you know, what is currently wrong with the current financial situation? And, you know, is there any alternatives to this current shit show that we, we are living in right now or clown show? <laughs> well, there is hope. I, I, I'm convinced uh, there is hope. So I, I would like to ask this, the people ask themselves the question, if you think <clears throat> about saving um, money for the future, we had it before already, like money is time, money is energy. And now assuming you want to save this energy, you worked your whole life <clears throat> and you want to pass it on to future generations. And you're your offspring should have use of your money in 10 years and 50 years in 100 years things so far and what do you think it's a, if it's a good idea that you have like a box of or like or a bank account of 100,000 euro 1 million euro and you just wait 100 years and keep that on if that would be like a smart idea so even let's assuming in 100 years, the euro would still exist. Let's just assume that even though the chance is almost zero. Um, it always helps to, to learn already from the history, from the past, because we see many things are repeating. And we have a few currencies that are there quite since a few years. For example, the British pound exists since about 300 years. The US dollar is also there since more than 100 years. So the dollar in 100 years, it lost more than 90% of its purchasing power. And the pound, the British pound in 300 years, it's even so far that it lost 99.5 of its purchasing power. And every currency that exists in the world is continuously losing purchasing power always so yeah, why, why is this happening so imagine you have these 1000 euro today and in 10 years you still have these 1000 the, your the amount itself didn't change but what you can get for it changes so every single unit of your currency it's worth getting less and less and less and less in the year 1900 you could rent a house a whole house for like 10 or 20 dollars in a home in a month that's it you would rent like a like a badass house and nowadays it's this is impossible anymore and yeah the main issue for this why this is happening is the so-called inflation which basically just means that the amount of money is continuously increasing and that's because the way how our money in the system functions is that each currency doesn't matter if it's the euro the dollar or 
Japanese yen or any national currency is issued by the central bank of this specific country, which is continuously creating new units of this money. And that, that just means if there's more and more and more coming of something, the value of everything is losing. Also, if we have an historical point of view here, if we look back what humans used for money like thousands of years ago, you would never see a society that lives on a beach and uses sand as money or society that lives in a forest and uses leaves as money <laughs> and all these things. It, it was always something you could not find easily, like some specific stones or some shells. And one of the key elements or the most key element of why something keeps value over time is scarcity. It needs to be rare to be in value. Now gold has a value. If there would be an asteroid coming as big as the whole planet Earth, and it would be basically just next to us. And now we have so much amount of gold as the entire planet all the value of gold would be gone. Everything, everything you learned about gold would not matter anymore. And only one thing changed, the amount of gold that exists. It's not scarce anymore. And now looking to our currencies, to the fiat system, exactly the same thing is happening. The inflation, which is really mm -hmm. different in each country. So of course there's countries with like a relatively low increase of money like relatively compared to the whole world so in europe or america we are still on the better places and even if we would not think about the last years like this COVID story where we had much higher inflation than usually even in the best <clears throat> in the best days central banks would aim for two percent a year two percent each year it means every year there's two percent more of the money your currency have and even if that doesn't sound a lot but if you calculate it on 10 20 30 40 years you will see wow it's, it's like the exponential effect two percent and again two percent and again two percent it's this exponential effect and it grows into something and now since this COVID story it's even much higher than two also in the western world and yeah, back to this uh, question we started with Jameson. If the what is the main problem of the current money system? I would say this is the main problem because this problem exists since we have this form of money in every country in the world. In every epoch, we have this fiat currency. We have exactly this phenomenon. There's no way around. So that's the main problem. Why in the long term you always lose. You want to say you lose. And for your question, if there is a solution, I say yes, there is. And as you can imagine, we are in the Orange Pill podcast. This solution, in my opinion, is Bitcoin. And why? It has this one key element. I mean, Bitcoin has a lot of elements, but one key element that I just mentioned about why rare stones contain value or shells or diamonds it's the scarcity and with bitcoin we know there is an absolute maximum supply that can never be extended and nobody can change that even if people wanted to 
we know in Bitcoin there will ever be only a fixed amount of 21 million. There will never be more. And this is what we called an absolute scarcity. Absolute. With everything else, doesn't matter if diamond or gold, if you think in the future and we travel through the universe, we might find unexpected big amounts of that. With Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. You can travel through galaxies, <laughs> but it didn't change. You will always realize there is just a 21 million. So this key element of the absolute scarcity is why I think in terms of how you can protect your saving, your energy, your time in the long run, if you think even in 100 years, what do you do if you save that energy? You put it into Bitcoin. That, in my opinion, is the solution. Yeah, it's an interesting observation. I would add that, uh, well, from a point of view, like a little bit of inflation is not always negative because it pushes you to spend your money to transfer it and or to invest. Invested. That's why there are investments, uh, and because when money gets too much uh, value, there can be also this so-called uh, uh, treasurization of currency. So nobody spends uh, anything anymore, and the economy gets stuck. So also like deflation can be also the appreciation of the currency can also be a danger. But that's why I find interesting. The new setup of Ethereum, that is modular cryptocurrencies that can be also inflationary. So unlike Bitcoin, there can be an infinite amount of Ethereum. I mean, infinite not, but it can grow on without limit. But at the same time, it has a cap of how long or how much it can uh, grow. And the more it's used, the more the less Ethereum are put in circulation. It's called the burning. So when the network removes some tokens from the circulation, making uh, less uh, less tokens and units available. So it can be both inflationary when it's needed to boost the economy, let's say, and they can also be deflationary. So removing units to avoid hyperinflation, which is something that's a traditional currencies, uh, national currencies usually cannot happen. I mean, it's really hard for central banks to remove liquidity once uh, it's put in circulation, once you printed money, like once you printed uh, euros or USD, they are in circulation on the world and they will never come mm. back to you. I mean, you cannot catch them back. <laughs> but Ethereum does every, everything of this automatically. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a computer program. So when it says that there are, there are too many Ethereums around, they can be removed according to a protocol that is agreed upon by the Ethereum developing community, so in a very democratic uh, way. So this is an example of direct democracy, of direct governance, uh, uh, managing uh, currency and managing the economy. Yeah, um, well, I, I partly agree on that, but it's also nice to have some different opinions. <laughs> uh, when, when you say like that, for example, um, if the inflation would be at only two percent um that it enables or it motivates you to invest and stuff and do something with your money which is true um but also investing is mostly for people who are already privileged 
some people they just literally cannot and like the borderline like the down part of any society and they would still suffer uh, from from that inflation so I, I think it could also work with something absolute limited or um yeah with just... well, that that's where swiss work comes in actually <laughs> we want to use the power of the blockchain to to allow everyone to invest even uh, the smallest amounts because uh, something cool about the blockchain is that it can tokenize and fractionalize everything even stocks so and make them easily accessible so that even if you have only 10 euros to invest you still can can invest instead of like uh, wasting them on something that you don't need just because you say about oh, it just 10 euros i can't invest them so i will just uh, uh, buy a pizza at the restaurant and that's it so i will enjoy a short joy to forget about the hardship of my life i know like uh, we thanks to blockchain and the and the flexibility that he has, he can grant access to investment also to the unprivileged. And we say at Wisborg, our motto is democratize uh, wealth management so that everyone can invest, no matter the amount. Yeah, thanks to some smart startups and the blockchain technology, <laughs> it can be yeah, something absolutely. for everybody in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's, it should be open for sure to everybody, this possibility to invest in stuff uh even though i believe still the deflationary money is still better but who knows maybe it can also coexist you know there's these bitcoin maxis who believe there will be only bitcoin in the future but maybe bitcoin will exist as something deflationary as this ultimate store of value but additionally there can be something else with a certain inflation either it might be another cryptocurrency or something else government issued and they coexist in harmony together i can even imagine that hybrid option i believe in diversification so and uh, our society is more and more like uh multiform so there are so many nowadays so many subcultures uh, uh, different ways of living and thinking so i guess that each of these subcultures will need their own currency product let's say so that's why I don't see Bitcoin as the only currency existing in the future. It's really simplistic and unrealistic. There will be a plethora of cryptocurrencies according also to the use and to the needs of each people. Jameson, maybe you have something also to say to the end. I see we're already about one hour and 10 minutes. I think we should... Yes, we have actually overshot a little bit, but yeah to be to be honest all of you guys have actually brought great points um with regards to inflation the inflation deflation um you know that discussion or that argument personally i do think that you know inflation is a rather big threat compared to deflation <laughs> sorry i have to disagree on that part with, 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 with alex because um with deflation yes the um you know, people will hoard money. People would, 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 would tend to hoard the good money and then they spend the bad money. And that's how they actually save, you know, that's how they actually save and um, store for the future, store their 
hard-earned energy, their hard-earned time, their, their hard-earned efforts and all that for the future in order to, you know, afford something, you know, for their children, for their grandchildren even. And yes, unfortunately, it means that um, certain businesses close, but hey, this is capitalism, man. Like, if your business, if your business is not doing too well, like, unfortunately, I have to say this, but, you know, if let's say there's no demand, the business has to close based on deploy on demand and supply um, on the factors. Yeah, unfortunately, that it has to be that way. But you know, what's the hope? The hope is that with old businesses or if uh, uncompetitive businesses dying out, new ones could take its place and could provide even better services, even better products, you know, for, you know, for our listeners out there and for everyone. So yeah, well, that's I agree. But what if also businesses that uh, are functional close because people are so attached to money that they don't want to spend for any reason? They just buy food, can food hoping to accumulate more and more. I understand where you're coming from, but I mean, not all of us are Stoics or monks or, you know, where we just, you know, live in a monastery and then, you know, like, lead very minimalistic lives. But yeah, no, uh, I told you. For example, would you pay something? Would you pay a pizza with your stocks, for example? No, but actually, speaking about pizza, just a few days ago, uh, we actually had Bitcoin Pizza Day. So exactly. someone actually did spend their Bitcoin on pizza. <laughs> and I really enjoyed my pizza just last week. So yeah. 10,000 Bitcoin was... Yes, it's 10,000 Bitcoin for two Papa John's pizzas back then. Imagine that guy, poor fellow, he paid millions of dollars for these two pizzas now. I mean, adjusted for the price, of course. Yeah, for everybody who doesn't know, it's one of the first uh, recorded Bitcoin transactions ever. I don't think it's the first one, but one of the first. It was when Bitcoin was really early and it didn't have any official, like no price traded on any exchange. And people into Bitcoin, it was just a small group of like cryptographs and stuff. And they communicated through emails. Listen, there was something called a Bitcoin forum and one guy. I think his name is Laszlo. He he had some Bitcoin and he wanted to buy something yeah. with that. And then he said, he wrote in this forum, hold on, I have 10,000 Bitcoins. If you order two pizza to my house, I send you the 10,000 Bitcoins. And somebody agreed. So this guy Laszlo, he didn't bought directly this pizza, but he gave somebody this 10,000 Bitcoin, this person that bought his pizza. And I've been just reading a few days ago when it was pizza day. To this date, these 10,000 Bitcoin would be worth like 600 million euro, I think. Uh, of course, always changing every day of the price. But yeah, that's the Bitcoin pizza day, two very expensive pizzas. Yeah, I wrote an article about it. Oh, nice. Yeah. You can also show, link it in the show notes after here in the podcast. Yeah, yeah cool. How's the article called? Uh, I can send a link. It's on the Swissburg blog, Academy blog. And it's called What Happened to the Bitcoin Pizza Guy? I just explore the story of Laszlo, who he is, why he spent those Bitcoin, and also debunk the 
the myth, uh, the belief that uh, he was a fool in spending those Bitcoin. You see, like most of the people think that uh, he was a fool because he spent uh, money that was supposed to gain value. So see, again, but I don't agree with it because someone had to start the Bitcoin economy and, uh, and he was brave in doing that. Uh, and back then, anyway, nobody could imagine using Bitcoin as a speculative tool. There was no concept to that. It was 2010. So we're talking about 13 years ago. Bitcoin was one year old. So it was still a, a mere experiment. Yeah, exactly. Nobody knew if it was going to work or not. But an important step was to demonstrate that Bitcoin, despite being a digital virtual currency, could be used to buy something real. And what's more real than a pizza? Yeah, it's a milestone. Of course, nowadays it looks foolish, but before relating to this age, in these days, the 10,000 Bitcoin, they had the value of the pizza. So in this situation, it was very legit. And it's a milestone because you have the product for the Bitcoin. So for the vision, the Bitcoin becomes money. It was one of the very important steps. So yeah, I, I, I also agree that I would not consider him a fool doing that. Absolutely, he was a hero. Well, yes, um, I agree actually. Yeah. And it's because of this one small step for all of us Bitcoiners. You know, Laszlo has actually given us this one giant leap for mankind in the future for hopes that eventually one day, one day, Bitcoin and crypto in general would be the solution to the current shit show, the current clown show of an economy of this clown clown ass world they are living in right now. And with yeah. that, um yeah, I could actually safely end off the end of our very first episode. <laughs> really wanted to thank you guys for this uh, very, very passionate educational and informational uh podcast though it's our very first episode and you know there are some you know there are some points of views or some you know, some nicks and nicks and pieces that we, we we need to fix up but do let us know by giving us your feedback for today's episode and yeah before we sign off, why don't we actually um, do a little bit of the repeat, a little bit of the promotions or the self-promotions of our products and services that you're giving, um, starting with you, Marina. <laughs> yeah, I've been silent for a while because I was absorbing the information. I'm totally new and I'm going uh, to, to Bitcoin <laughs> and other cryptocurrency units, yeah. And so I'm going to ask uh, very simple questions next time, probably because we're like closing off now <laughs> yes. uh, about Bitcoins, because I would really like to start dealing with it. So thank you all guys for for like opening my eyes wider for this to this issue. So am I supposed to promote something? <laughs> OK, so yeah, yeah. So promote like <laughs> um in in which way 
basically you could just uh, repeat what you have mentioned earlier during the, your introduction on the uh, uh, you know the meditation you know the sessions the karaoke whatever they that you have just mentioned during the um the introduction you just repeat it once more so that the audience could could know yeah, but I think I have a better idea. Um, I'm going to link uh, something that I stand for, something that I preach, I would say so, uh, to the money uh, and cryptocurrency issue, as far as I can understand it. Yeah. So I would say like that, like I've been uh, facilitating and uh, teaching, I would say that I would use the word teaching meditation. Uh, uh, many businessmen, and uh, I'm not sure, but uh, how how many exactly? Because we didn't tr uh, touch upon this issue. But I guess fifty percent at least of them were into uh, finances and cryptocurrency, and they were like really, like I would say that well, very grounded. Yes, with very stable and very you know like abundant. I would say, and so. We all and they they could understand from the height of their yeah like vision that we all know, uh, need to for for anything that is happening in our lives, including financial prosperity, financial prosperity. Sorry, uh, we all need to have the clarity of our mind because having the clarity of our mind and having the intuition, having uh, not not having that like background noise in in the sense of thoughts that like keep revolving on our heads, we are able to make really up to the point choices, and we really we can really sense things that are going to happen, and we're really going to to be how to say to make right decisions. And in, I guess in financial sphere, like in all the other spheres as well, it's areas, yeah, it's, it's very important. So that said, it was long introduction to, the, to my vision of life, which includes meditation and deep work on the mindset. And uh, so, yes, like I'd like to so, kind of promote meditation just because like, it just I think if you don't don't uh, feel how beneficial it is, it, it just means that you haven't got the right facilitator or teacher that uh, could have shown you uh, that uh, could have deepened you into that very experience that would you you would just want to to be to be there every day. So that's why uh, I invite you. In case you're in Lisbon, so you come like every Sunday, I facilitate um, meditation, active meditation workshop and mantra singing workshop. Uh, it's like two in one. And uh, yes, I'm going to extend it. It's going to be online as well. So yeah, you are welcome to join my Instagram and just to keep um, updated with the news when and where and and how much it's going to be and how yeah yeah and uh, again in case you're in lisbon come to karaoke to just <laughs> yes i will guys we'll all meet there yes mike i don't know you yet in person but maybe you come as well 
<laughs> Not yet. I uh, hopefully also will come soon. Yes. <laughs> and so, join the karaoke. Yeah, but I, I mean, generally speaking, yes, if you're in Lisbon, come to Apple House. It's in Campo Pequeno. But um, anyway, it's a good way to get to, to how to say, to uh, release, re release your intentions and things. Uh, good experience and just to have fun. So, yeah, I welcome you all. <laughs> I guess that's it. Thank cool. you. Thank you a lot. Yeah. So everybody traveling to Lisbon soon, you know what to do, you know where to go. And yeah, I, I will also link something from myself down in the podcast. Um, if you want to join a Telegram group too. And also I will link um, my meetup where I host a weekly Zoom meeting where we also can exchange which um, is called Let's Talk About Bitcoin. Awesome. Uh, about myself, okay. I remind you, if you want to explore cryptos and approach the crypto world in a safe and intuitive uh, user-friendly way then you can download the Swissborg app and in two minutes it will be set up and you will be ready to start your journey and buy your first bitcoins easily safely with your bank account and uh, regarding the book uh, so as I mentioned I wrote a book about the opportunities created by the pandemic it's called thank you president corona it's uh, it's uh, a funny a funny read, a perfect beach read to walk again through the past two years with a different uh, angle, looking at the pandemic with a different angle, uh, focusing on the positive and just uh, re-exploring it with a, with a new touch, with a made also a witty humor. I'm sure that you will enjoy it. And I will post the link to Amazon, which is the most popular online uh, book retailer even though unfortunately i would say i don't like amazon so much but i know that people most of people buy books from there so i will post that link uh, thanks everybody and thanks uh, mike and jameson for hosting it was a pleasure to be with you thank you alex thank you marina yeah, thank, um, you thank you michael as well so <laughs> now it's time for my own promotion as well um i'm actually um I'm actually a member of many different meetups. One of them is the karaoke, Friday night karaoke meetups that has already been mentioned by Marina. Um, another meetup that uh, I'm, I'm actually attending, and this is more relevant for many, many of the Bitcoiners out there, is the Lisbon Bitcoin Maximalist meetup, as well as the many other Bitcoin-based meetups here in Lisbon. Because as you know, what's even more... What's even more lonelier than some than 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 a single or a group of Bitcoiners who couldn't get together and you know hang around, discuss about something, discuss about you know life, politics, <laughs> science, education, philosophy, anything. So yeah, that's why I'm actually promoting the the Lisbon Bitcoin Maximalist uh, meetup. You could actually, if you. If you are willing, you could actually um, go to the meetup.com, search for Lisbon Bitcoin Maximalist, 
and uh, just answer a few questions and you'll be in there. There's also a Telegram group, which uh, I'll also put the link in the, in the description below. Um, yeah, apart from that, I'm also, uh, yeah, I also will be selling, you know, quite a number of stuff in one of these, in one of these Telegram groups. One of them is actually Brazilian coffee, by the way. Brazilian coffee. Mm. I would, you know, gladly tell the, yeah, someone actually does the import export of the Brazilian coffee. Like he's a Bitcoiner and I recently happened to meet up with him. I tried that coffee and to be honest with you, it's really, really great. So Brazilian, yeah. Actually, my favorite coffee is Brazilian. Exactly. Like out of all the types, I always choose Brazilian. It's honest. <laughs> nice. So um, to promote this guy's business, uh, to promote this guy's business, um, I'm actually promoting the Brazilian coffee right now. <laughs> whoever pays in, whoever pays in the sets, will get like a ten percent discount. Link will also be in this in the description. The Telegram link will be in the description below as well. And anyway, um, thing that's about it. It takes us. Yep, this this entire episode has taken us close to one hour thirty minutes. So thank you all. Really, really appreciate the all the input, your time, your energy. I know everyone's tired. So am I, Mike as well, um, Alex as well, <laughs> Marina as well. All of us were tired. Wow, well, no, just yes. like Barcelona Movida is waiting for me. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um. I believe that's about it for our very first episode. So tune in next week for the very next episode. May the blockchain be with you. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week or in the future. And goodbye, good night from wherever you are. Thanks, guys. It was awesome. And the Yeah, thanks. Thanks all for coming. Thanks for joining. Thanks for co-hosting.